0: Bandido, Outriders, and Burgle Brothers 2, the Casino Capers. This is Staying In.
1: Um, It's hot. Is it? And it is really quite warm. Is it? Uh, yeah, it is. I've got to the point now where I've had to turn the radiators off.
2: Hang, hang on. Hang on. <laughs> hang on. Hang on. I'm just going to get my phone. We're going to do a quick weather... Yep. Well, I mean, check.
0: I mean, Pete does live closer to the equator than us. That Strict.
2: is that is true. So 15 degrees today where I am. 15 oh. degrees. Oh.
1: Barmy.
0: And
2: I'm going to type in Pete's postcode cuz I've got it just it's always on hand. Just memorized. Um 15. So yeah, 15 degrees. I mean, that's Celsius of course. Yeah. I mean, it has been hotter.
1: It, what what in the past yes it, yeah i mean it has been hotter but it is 15 degrees it's it's warm i'm sat here and i am absolutely sweating buckets it's
2: just it's 15 degrees yeah, but Are it's they're... the
1: it's, it's the it's the it's the way that it's sort of turned on a dime. It was nice <laughs> and chilly previously. It's like you know when I think I, I like to think of myself sometimes as um, you know how like in the 18th century people used to think that they were made of glass and they'd be they they'd no. think that they would shatter. No. Did
3: they think that? Yeah. <laughs> Did oh. They? Yeah. There's this okay. there's literally
1: this, though, was, Pete. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, they literally thought they were glass. Sam, Google this. Did people
2: um, think they were
3: made of glass? Okay. In the, the 18th century. century.
1: Oh, yeah. okay. Might have screwed that bit up. But they definitely did think they were made of glass. And there's history of people thinking they're other amazing materials that they've not seen before. And the reason that they thought all of that is because they'd never really kind of experienced these materials. So there's a very f- uh, famous, I think it was a French king, uh, thought that he was made of glass. and was, Charles VI. There we go. And was deathly terrified that anybody that would touch him would literally shatter him. And what I'm saying is, Maybe I've got a little bit of that, right? Because, if you think about it, when you heat up a glass really, really quickly, you go from cold to hot, it cracks. Hmm. Maybe I've got, like, a version of that.
0: I do think Unbreakable would be a very different film if you had taken on the role of, that Samuel L. Jackson portrayed.
1: Right. What happens in Unbreakable?
0: Oh, f- <laughs>
2: <laughs> Well, What do you think happens in the film Unbreakable, starring Samuel L. Jackson
0: and Bruce Willis?
3: Bruce Willis is in it. Yeah, Mm. it's only twenty-one
0: years old, Pete. So it kind of makes sense you've not come across it.
3: And they made a, they made a sequel all those years later. Called was it Glass? I think.
0: Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's
2: technically part of a trilogy. Yes.
3: With Um, uh, what the hell was the James um, McAvoy? Yes, in that film where he has like split. Yes, split. That's the one.
2: So M Night Shyamalan was the director. That might be a clue. That might help you. Might not help you. Oh. Okay. Yeah.
3: There's a twist.
1: Well, the twist will be he thinks he's unbreakable, but he is. I assume that like he's pretty on the nose about stuff. So maybe mm.
2: it's that. Yeah, kind Am of. I, yeah, I yeah. think you'd actually enjoy it as a film. I mean, I like those yeah. two actors. It's I a it's a comic book movie. What
1: like? So what like? Samuel L. Jackson is like.
0: He he plays a comic book. He plays a comic book collector. Mm-hmm who oh, believes okay. that these modern-day comics are a continuation of our love with mythology, that actually these kinds of heroes that we you know, idolise, whether they be the ancient Greeks or other cultures, mythos, it, this is just a modern-day variant of that, really. And he Probably believes right. that these kinds of figures do walk among us, and he's fascinated by Bruce Willis's character, who he believes is one of those people.
2: Oh, right. Because okay. he never gets ill, never, never, ne- never had a cold, never taken a day off work. How did he
0: find this out? He survived a train crash that, at the that's beginning what, of the film. Yeah, that was, that was the more important bit. Yeah, uh, that, yeah. that was what clinched it, I would say. <laughs> show, show me your attendance records. Hang on a second. Yeah, he had an Excel spreadsheet and he was kind of running his finger across every column. No, no. Oh, hello. <laughs>
1: Do you know what, Chris I'm very very excited to to um <laughs> hear from you today because first of all uh, I like to hear your voice uh, and second of all um I I saw on WhatsApp a little while ago that you'd received a Kickstarter.
0: Yes. I had and yeah. And
1: a Kickstarter you've been waiting for for a while.
0: Yeah, this one's got a quite a long tail. I backed this successfully. I think it was May 2019. Like it's one of those Beautiful kinds of Kickstarters, which has just grown and grown. And this is Burgle Brothers 2, the Casino Capers. <gasps> so way back, uh listeners or listener, episode one of the pod, we talked I talked, I talked I talked about Burgle Brothers, um, uh, which is probably one of my favourite board games. An indie game from Tim Fowers. This one's from Tim Fowers and Jeff Krauss with Art Still by Ryan Goldsbury, who's done a number of art um for Fowers on a number of games we've actually spoken about on this pod. It's basically the same as it was in the first Burger Brothers. It's a heist game. And when I typed that into Google, I wanted a board game. I wanted it to be heist connected. <laughs> the, the universe gifted me Burger Brothers. Uncle. And I've never looked back since, really. What is crucial to me, and my main worry was, that when you buy the sequel to a game that you love, you know, does that make the original surplus to requirements now? Actually, will I do mm-hmm. I need that anymore in my life? Yeah. It's the same with any sequel to any kind of game, whether it be video or board really to some to some degree and i'm happy to say that yes you can own both these games mark i don't know if you've played much board games or if you've heard of burger brothers at all
3: I, I dabble with board games i have a collection behind me on this zoom call but no burger brothers is not one i'm familiar
0: Oh, honestly like do you like co-op games i do yeah this i honestly think you'd you'd, you'd like this but you essentially play like a team of crooks and in the first Bogle Brothers you were robbing a bank a free floor bank here you're robbing a casino so there's already this kind of real strong oceans 11 12 and 13 vibes did it go up to 30 did it go past 13 I can't remember I yeah, never saw them yeah there was
2: eight as well so it was oh. 11
0: 12 13 and an eight Um, Yeah, so you're a team of criminals and you've got to work together to rob a casino. The casino is made up of rooms that are tiles that you shuffle out randomly and put them face down and you have them in a grid of two floors. And you've got these lovely little wooden sticks that delineate rooms. And there's a wonderful little random room generator online that they've created where you can just have different rooms every time. And you've got to sneak in flipping tiles uh, to find the relevant safe on the second floor to then crack that code and then leave essentially. And as you're moving around, you've got a finite number of actions. You've got special abilities of your characters. As you're moving around, you're trying, you know, some of the tiles you might move into will be very helpful. Like the revolving door, which will allow you to move diagonally through walls, which is great. Other tiles you may flip might be like the slot machine, which are bad because they will cause you to create a commotion. And commotions are pretty bad. They're they're the equivalent of what the alarm tiles were in Burger Brothers, the first one, where... If you create a commotion, the enemy bouncer on your floor will head towards that commotion. So it's almost like a a little bit like those kind of stealth video games where you make a sound and you've attracted the attention of a guard and they're moving towards you and you have to kind of creatively avoid their attention. Mm -hmm. Um, And these bouncers move at the end of everyone's go. So uh, you have these patrol cards which tell you where they're going to move to next. You've got a little bit of warning, but still there's this interesting puzzle of trying to kind of manoeuvre through these floors without being seen by these bouncers. And if a bouncer moves into a tile that you're in or vice versa, you take two heat and there's these little heat cubes. You take six heat cubes, we all lose the game. And what I really loved about Burger Brothers, which this one really builds on even more so, is the conversations around the table. It's very difficult, even though it could be possible to quarterback in Burger Brothers, because actually you're not necessarily just thinking about yourself. They've thought very carefully about giving each player an ability that will help other people around the table. So um, you have four actions, but you also have an extra action where you can use to use one of your specialist skills on any any one person's go. So you always feel useful throughout this game. And that's a really nice feeling to have where you can all get around saying well hang on no you can go there oh hang on no the guard's going to the bouncer's going to see you well hang on i will create a distraction here which will bring the bouncer over here and then you can make your getaway and there's something really lovely about that that still continues to kind of appeal the art by goldsberry is just stunning it mm-hmm. feels like those kind of that um, those kind of 60s kind of hanna barbera cartoons that kind of aesthetic mm. so it's slightly infantilizing and slightly nostalgic but also feels very much part of that kind of 60s-esque kind of uh kind of the original oceans film ear i suppose really with the rat pack in it and stuff like that and yeah there's a lot to love about it still and um, one thing that's great that isn't in the original is the surprise endings where you have like these this envelope of finale cards and you just draw one at random and you don't just, you can't just leave the game. You'll have to do something before you leave. Hmm. And what I love is I've not even looked at them. I've, I've, I've played two games of this and the endings were extraordinary. One ending, we opened the safe, there was nothing in it. So to get our revenge, we had to basically each go around and steal three sections of the wall to demolish the bank all without being caught by these bouncers. So we're running around here doing that. In one of the endings, we all had to plant um, evidence on one of the bouncers. But to do that, we all had to get six heat at the same time in one round. So we've gone from avoiding the bouncers to trying to almost trap them. And it's just great, honestly.
2: It is It is impressive. And I was definitely sceptical. Because Burgle Brothers is quite a pretty tight sort of cooperative game. Go in, rob a bank, or rob somewhere, and that's it. Like, you, There's a safe on each level, I think, in Burgle Brothers.
0: Yeah, the first one, yeah.
2: Um, but strangely... What *Burgle Brothers* 2 shows me is that actually the the first game actually wasn't that thematic. Like I think what actually *Burgle Brothers* 2 does, uh, improves upon the first one, is actually picks exactly the right setting for this kind of for this kind of game and these kind of mechanics. Because whereas in the first game, you know, like tripping alarms and walking into security booths, here you you're on a casino floor. And that is remarkably more interesting and more diverse than a sort of corporate bank. Sure. And, you know, as Chris was saying, instead of tripping the alarm, you you just got distracted and started pulling a one-armed bandit at a slot machine or there are there are times when you'll just walk across a a, um, a craps table and you'll start like throwing dice and suddenly the bouncers start getting interested about what's going on on this like over on this table here and you will bump into drunk people who affect how you can move you'll you'll bump into you know members of the fbi who are just who are just like walking around and they'll and they'll affect how you actually play those little like hiccups that happen in all the oceans films like all those little like details and all those little things as unpredictable parts of it, which you can make the experience feel human, but also add the right amount of tension to it, wasn't really there in the first game. How is, however, here it genuinely feels like the plan is going to crumble at any at any second. Like the 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 casino is just too full of of different things that are out of your control, and that makes for just a just a a, a better game and a more thematic experience of like planning a heist and what chris was saying about like the conversations around i think the conversations around the table in Burgle brothers 2 were just a lot more interesting because it's just like i've just got to i'm just going to win some money on this on this slot machine right. before i right. before I, and and to unlock the safe you have to first find a mole and the mole will give you the codes to to unlock the safe and you have to find the manager's office and that's where you know some of the codes are kept. So rather than in the first game, oh, you just found the safe and rolled some dice and maybe you unlocked it, here you can really see, you know, that conversation of you know, of a plan coming together and how these all these bits fit into an actual heist, which has an arc, which has a story arc, like it does in the Ocean's films, and that just makes it a, a genuinely better like board gaming experience. It,
1: it definitely sounds more flavorful. Like mm-hmm. I, I, I wonder. So one of the things that um, I'm that I, w- I absolutely loved about the original was how much of a we talked about this kind of thing before, but board games that kind of respect your shelf space. Yeah, but I, I have a great deal of res- counter respect for those games. So the first game was really quite condensed, you know, really small, and I, I think maybe actually that might have made it suffer a little bit at retail to a fault, because yeah, yeah right. Mm-hmm. And like I think it's great and, and I love that stuff, but I understand why board game companies put things in massive boxes. What is the second one like? Is it is it is it same
0: sort of size? Is I it mean, is it
1: as as well just in, in like the in, in the industrial design on the first one is just amazing.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's got legs, literally. <laughs> like it's it's it comes what? with a set of what? legs. So because it takes place over two floors Tim Fowers being the genius he is and I know about this from Kickstarter updates through the simulations they were doing online through like computer-aided design and things you can actually like tip the box up and you, you come to these four legs which you slot in you flip it upside down and you can put the second floor above the ground floor I've That's not played with cool. it like that just because I think on the table I'd find it a little bit too fiddly in terms of right. eye line, but right. just the gumption To say, yeah, let's just Mm. do that. Because you can buy a Burger Brothers Tower, which is already like that. But he thought, no, actually, I'm going to give the players that in the box already. If they want to do that, they can. If they don't want to, that's absolutely fine. And it's also got a campaign mode um, that you can also do. Uh, It's it's, it's just extraordinary. I mean, what I love about Fowers Games in general, and we've spoken about this at length, is just... It just gives and gives and gives, really. What this game was when I backed it on Kickstarter, which was already pretty good and really promising, and it did so well immediately, has grown so much because he keeps saying, yeah, actually, maybe three endings isn't enough. We'll add some more in. And do people want to suggest some endings? Oh, great. Yeah, that's brilliant. Let's put some in there. And it just kept growing rather than kind of just saying, yeah, I'm sorry, it's delayed because of COVID. He's actually, in some respects, used that delay, those delays, which are unfortunate, but he's used them to make this the best it could possibly be. And it really does feel like that, which is just wonderful, really. I'm thinking of us starting a new
2: category for board game awards, for game awards, for anything we talk about awards on this one because we've got breakfast games we've got games to read to uh what is it games you've got to have a cup of tea to and i'm thinking of starting a new one called bag games or (laughs) games games you'll put in a bag um games you'll no sam Games you'll put in a bag. Yeah, games you'll put in a bag.
3: What does so, that like even a really small, mean? Like a small bag, a really small bag. Yeah,
2: like a small bag. So basically, like you you're going away somewhere. Yeah, and you've just got a backpack with you, okay. or like, or <laughs> like someone did on my wife's Hindu went to Barcelona for a weekend with just a bum bag. What? Um,
1: <laughs> what? <laughs>
0: <laughs> incredible. Just a toothbrush and a. I mean, I saw the suitcase Pete brought when he stayed at yours for a weekend some years ago, Sam. It was massive.
1: (laughs) Massive. (laughs) All of the essentials.
2: Um, But I'm talking about, like, you're going away somewhere, or you're going to work, you've got your backpack on, and you Mm. just feel like compact in a game. Yeah. Yeah. So something like compact and small. So
1: what's the difference between this and a travel game?
2: Well, travel games are condensed versions of bigger games. Yeah, I,
3: I'm thinking in my mind with what you're describing, something like Coup mm. is oh yeah, uh, yeah. Yeah. Know, yeah 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 condensed, simple, easy, and Love there is a bigger version of that. Though there should be, yeah, that'd be amazing. Sushi
2: so Go, Sushi so Go, great, cool. yeah. Uh, Button Shy, which is a, a company in America, I think, that make games where they're all strictly 18 cards. So all the games are made up of just 18 cards, and they all come in these little wallets. So these like Dennis the Menace Club esque wallets or a travel card if you're boring. And basically like there are these wonderful games like Sprawlopolis, which um, which I've got. And they're just like perfect games to just like chuck into a bag. And when you're at work and you lunch break or you're going to meet friends, they're just really easy to like pull out and play. It's a legitimate award that we should be uh we should be handing out.
0: Yeah, well, we just need to work on the title, I think. But yeah, yeah. yeah bag yeah. games. Um
2: Bag because games. I've, been, cause, um, cause I've been playing Bandido by Helvetic, and they're probably a company that make all their games are probably, like, bag games. Like, um, we are talking about Omerta in the past, and Chris got me Compromat um, as part of uh, uh, Secret Santa, and they are all, like, tiny, tiny boxes, but of genuinely really interesting <laughs> uh, like party games in my murder's case a really tense and exciting two-player game in, in the case of Compromat and Bandido is one of my new favorite um, single-player games and it's become my like go-to game when when I'm going to work is that you know I'll just throw it into my rucksack and then I thought huh wouldn't it be interested if we rewarded games of how great they are just to chuck in a bag. and Bandido is just super simple and you've probably seen you know seen it in a shop somewhere for incredibly cheap probably like less than 15 quid and it's almost like a reverse labyrinth uh, where you're not l- looking for the center essentially you what you're trying to do is block off all the ec- all the possible exits so the the story of the game is there's this little bandido who sits in their little cell at the center of the table and you draw three cards and on each of those cards is a is a Will depict several different like routes, like tunnels dug through the dirt. The idea is the bandido is like moving their way through these tunnels, winding through like underground, trying to find a way out. And on your turn, you've got to place a card down, and that so that's extending not only uh, different routes of escape for the bandit, but it's also basically opening out the the basically the floor space the footprint of this game at the same time and what you're trying to do is create loops so that tunnels will come back on themselves essentially close themselves so you imagine like the bandits going through and he goes oh there's a tunnel um and i'll come back on myself or there are cards that have got um basically this little image of a of a hand holding a torch which is essentially a way of like closing off and like stopping a tunnel dead that's like someone a cop like holding a torch down a tunnel and waiting for the bandit to appear and that's the game and it's a really nice meditative gentle experience that slowly gets out of hand extremely very very quickly um, I, I, I made the mistake of playing this game quite a few times on the same table that my wife was doing a jigsaw on and every single time I played it I ended up with cards balanced right on the edge of of the uh the table because it, it the game creates a really nice balance where you always think you're just about to catch him you're almost you're just about to close off the last little all you need is that one card to come up and then all hell will break loose and then suddenly like the cards are just sprawling all across the table you're moving coasters you're moving drinks you're moving plates and oh we're gonna have to extend this baby out because you've not got enough room to put all these cards down and for a little game that fits in that I just chuck in my bag. I've had a really good time with it, and like especially a game that I can just play. You can play with other people, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't. I personally wouldn't see the appeal. It's been a great little it looks, solo. It looks a bit, a bit
1: like a puzzle game. Just...
2: It is, and it's kind of like a puzzle in reverse. It's kind of you know, as I said, it's not necessarily like one of those ch- children's mats you get in McDonald's where you're just like, find the cheese at the centre of a oh, maze or whatever. Thing. Yeah. You're trying to stop the cheese escaping the maze whilst also building the maze at the same time. And it's it's one of these puzzle games where halfway through you convince yourself that they can't have possibly have thought of everything. They can't have possibly have thought of how to close all of these loops off. And then suddenly you'll draw the card which lets, lets you that you make that possibility and also it's one of those games that feels like it's impossible until you do it which i always think is a is a a really good mark of a good solit a good solitaire experience you know solitaire being probably the most prime you know example of that is like solitaire feels impossible until the moment that you do it and then it's like well, wow, that was you know fantastic so yeah so throw it in your bag as a as a game is a is yeah the title needs some work doesn't it yeah we'll workshop that. yeah Yep. back in the pack, back mm, in the pack games. Yeah, let's put, put no, that back in the pack. No, let's, let's bum bum bag games, fanny done, fanny pack games.
1: Let's definitely not go down that route.
3: I am right in believing and, and feeling that chocolate bars have shrunk in size over the last twenty odd years. Depends I feel like they have. Depends which bar. Depends which bar.
2: Uh, yes, it's part of. Um, uh, maybe now that um, Britain has left the EU, we don't have to. Well, they can they can grow again. <laughs> Every cloud. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We might. <laughs> we might. We might be. <laughs> oh. We might be losing universal healthcare, but oh, and, and, Mars... and and potentially human rights. But listen, so you know what? Our chocolate <laughs> bars.
3: They will get big again. <laughs>
2: So, it was basically as part of like maybe it was a European directive. It probably, oh, I'm going to say it is now because, of, you know, Brexit will improve things. <laughs> basically, um, <gasps> companies either had to limit the amount of sugar that was available in, in chocolate bars. Okay. So, the first thing that happened was that most chocolate manufacturers banned king size variants of their, a of dark their chocolates. Day. A dark day. Um, but, and, and we'll come back to that. And m- the other thing they did is they basically, to, Rather than finding a sugar substitute, which is expensive, takes a lot of research, just shrunk the bars, so then they met the the criteria for the for the uh, for the government um, legislation. But the replacement for the king size will was, as you now see, is the duos. Mm, yeah. So the idea of it's not king size, so it's not an inordinate amount of chocolate. It's a lot of chocolate, but it's split up into nice small bite-sized things with the idea being that if you're having a healthy balanced diet you'll have one half of the duo and then maybe tomorrow you'll have the other half
3: of the no duo. person on this earth has ever had a duo <laughs> over, over that's two that's days that's never happened
1: does it I, they, they, on on the bottle of um, fizzy pop that I bought the other day, it was like contains two servings. I was like, it doesn't. Like <laughs> like no one, no one is doing that.
3: They they recently had um, a thing over here in in Ireland um, about uh, the bread from Subway, where they they said that you legally cannot classify this as bread because it contains too much sugar. That yeah. happened here. Wow, that, that was
0: the same, wasn't it, with the McDonald burgers? That's why they used to have a. That's why the gherkins there. Otherwise they would be classed as confectionery.
3: I did not know that. What
0: <laughs> no Chris, that's no, absolutely that bolder dash. Chris. That was no, that was I'm... a rumour that was went around at school, so it's gotta be repeated. But Chris, I
1: haven't based how I live my life on school child rumours <laughs> for many years. Yeah, but that's not the same as slap a gherkin on and now you can call it a burger. Oh my god he oh my god he's right. Mate, he's right. He he's Yeah. Oh actually, hold on a second breaking Hold news on, correction. From McDonald's.com. Oh, okay. okay good. Right. Well, Legitimate source, yep. Are gherkins added to a Big Mac to offset the sugar content and avoid it being called a dessert? And the answer is no, this is not true. Gherkins are used simply to add to the flavor of the burger. So, because, <laughs> oh, mm. See, well, the
3: problem here is like someone at McDonald's headquarters played theme park back in the day, and on yeah. the, the burger shack, they just went too far on the max for like the salt and the sugar and here we are you
1: can imagine them you can imagine them at the pc can't you just like you know just like a burger in their mouth just and then like it just drops yeah. and they're just shocks like barry i've got an eye put more <laughs> salt in the fries um I, so hold on so subway makes bread that isn't bread
3: apparently so or here in ireland like the, it, here it's not called bread but everywhere else is still bread exactly. what's it called I don't know. I, I subway has been closed. Well, everywhere's closed, so I haven't gone to to check for myself. I wonder if when you go back, you know how sometimes you go into a pub and you say, "I'll have a
1: coke, please." Yeah. And they say, "Pepsi, all right." <laughs> I wonder if I wonder if now when they say, "And what what kind of what kind of whatever it is that they refer to, and which one of these would you like?" You go, "Oh, I'll have the Italian bread." And they go, "Is Italian sugar loaf for sweet okay?" Sweet-do. Yeah, uh, right, like. <laughs>
0: Like at the pub when you ask for a Coke and they say, oh, it's Pepsi, is that okay? Uh,
2: Pete just literally, I literally just said that.
0: I'm sorry. Did you just... Did you just... <laughs> I literally just had a mental absence. That was really weird. <laughs>
1: that
3: was, that, that I, was... I mean, I
0: can't even blame it on lag because there wasn't any. It was crystal clear.
3: I think you heard it, but you didn't register it and it just kind of floated yeah. around for a few seconds. Now we, now it's been
2: confirmed that Chris's internal monologue is Pete's voice. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I just, Chris, I just thought that that was you thinking about bread.
0: No, Zoom fatigue. Do you know what I was thinking about? Do you know actually what I was thinking about? And I do apologise, Pete. I was thinking about, look, as Mark says, bread isn't bread. I'm thinking, well, okay, can you imagine if bread disappeared and we had to replace it for, for the outer layer of the sandwich? <laughs> what would that be? <laughs>
2: what would it be? No wonder Your... you blacked
0: out. I did. I literally <laughs> I mean that the, the calculations just rendered me so inert that I had yeah, to just yeah, put yeah. all my processing power on that.
2: It... It's just
1: you know you know that you know that meme from uh Always Sunny in Philadelphia where he's like at the board
0: and he's working yeah, it out. Yeah, like yeah. that's just you but yeah, trying yeah, to figure out if what if a bread disappeared, substitute for a sandwich <laughs> would be. I got, I got to like egg, egg, egg. <laughs> like an omelette, <laughs> wrapping it. I have to Chris. be honest,
3: I got to be honest, this is the kind of conversation you'd expect two 17-year-olds in college while incredibly high <laughs> yeah. would be having. Yes. Chris, Chris, what? so we've got to think about, we're here, What? so is a corn
2: tortilla, is, is that bread? Does it have to be something that's risen with yeast? Like discount
0: anything that's got bread in the title. Yeah. So anything any that's
2: like flour mixed
1: yeah.
0: with water. Yeah.
1: Gone. So your Gone. next one is egg. Yeah. <laughs> why? Why do you think what is it about egg that makes it a natural substitute for bread? Bread, bread disappeared. Chris, what is it? I want an explanation I, I, because I can't can... I can't live a life where you think egg is basically bread. Also, can I just can I just stay
2: here? Chris is <laughs> Chris's thought pattern is like food dominates his life so much that he's got to always consider the possibility of but what if that
0: disappeared yeah Yeah. it's like like, it's like when you're directing a play you know every actor has to have an understudy
1: (laughs) the the understudy to bread is not egg chris
3: um but yeah i i played i downloaded and played outriders because i didn't know what outriders was and i had xbox game pass which means i could find out right, without okay. paying for it
1: so i just want to i just want to deal- delve into that a little okay. bit because i, I believe okay. sam you were talking about oh outriders
3: at one point like i seem yeah, to remember I was.
1: and i seem to remember thinking what is outriders yeah where is this suddenly? as, as i was from?
3: downloading it i was thinking what is outriders <laughs> a bit a bit
2: like that and valheim like valheim and outriders have been like the two things or i've I, the only times i've now started to feel like oh i'm getting out of touch yeah <laughs> like i had no idea that these two that this these is what games cinema must out. be like for pete
0: <laughs> <laughs>
2: but outriders was just like we're always on the lookout for like our next cooperative game so any sort of game that says oh this you jump on with your with your mates and You know, Outriders was saying all the right things in terms of like, oh, you can jump with your mates and like it has a really flexible difficulty uh, leveling system. So, you know, if you're finding things too tough, you can boot up or boot down the level if you just want to enjoy the story. And it's not a live service game. You just go in and enjoy the numbers falling off things. So, like, that was the most amount of research I did, and then I started doing a little bit more research, and I was like, oh god, Outriders, maybe not. Yeah, yeah,
3: so I, I went in, I've, I've played about four or five hours of it, or, well, I think I actually was closer to seven hours, because two of those hours was waiting for the game to actually load up, because of the mm-hmm. <clears throat> the nature of the servers being what they have been. I'm not sure if they're any better now. What I didn't realise is that Outriders actually was a game that came out 12 years ago. Just no one knew because it, mm. it is a very dated game. Uh, has a very dated gameplay style um, yeah. in this kind of hybrid of of Gears of War and Borderlands, the the two kind of closest comparisons that I'd make. And over on link to the cast, we have uh, speaking of kind of game categories, we have our. Ham sandwich, Peter Willington, Keen, okayest game of the year. That kind of six out mm-hmm. of ten. That just mm. can't be bad. Isn't bad. Isn't good. It's just sits somewhere right, right in the middle. Just super okay. Super okay. Your Mad Max, Vin Diesel's Will Man. Because I had to bring it up at some point on this. Yeah, um, it goes between
2: ten and three out of ten very quickly.
3: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. But uh, yeah. but Outriders is actually it's a packet of crisps kind of game in that it has yeah. absolutely no nutritional value. It has no kind of real redeeming qualities, but you just keep munching away and you just can't stop. And before you've realized it, the can of Pringles is, has been yeah. eaten. And, and you could easily get sucked into the gameplay loop that Outriders provides of just, I'm just going to just, you know, go and do this kind of quest and jump online with a few friends and that kind of borderlands, do it whatever difficulty you want and at the end of it you'll get the loot and the the guns and whatever you're looking for Um, and hopefully you'll find a a gun that has higher stats than the one that you have now and you're good to go. Mm. But the, the Gears of War comparison is it does that kind of third person every environmental object is around your waist so you can kind of crouch lots behind it lots of cover Ugh. but it doesn't and and i actually went back and i played the original gears of war after playing some outriders because i was like this just doesn't feel as like when you play gears of war and you have any wall or, or anywhere to cover there's a nice kind of satisfying snap of the animation yeah. between yeah. you being there yeah. and then snapping against the wall and it feels kind of satisfying Hmm. this does not have that it has no seamlessness to that transition and i also realized and i don't know if i was doing something wrong but pretty much any time i would come out of cover to shoot or something i wouldn't go back into cover i would now just be standing and i'd just be getting a hellstorm of bullets fired at me and i'm trying to remember okay what is the crouch button why am i not staying crouched so i would then get crouched then get back up again to fire and then get back into that same problem because it just it wouldn't go back into a crouching position what uh, th- th-
2: there is there is a reason for that because <laughs> outriders right as well as as so it has all that like cover base base in it but the the actual gameplay behaves a lot like kill zone 2 so and maybe all the kill zones were the same but i know that this was a big thing in kill zone 2 when i played it is that one of the things that I really loved about that game is that if you stayed where you were, the enemies just kept on coming. Yeah. There was never a moment where it would be like, right, I've cleared out this section, you'd move forward. To advance in kill zone, you have to keep going forward. You have to push forward as you as you shoot, otherwise you'll just stay where you are. You'll just get pinned down by the enemy. That That's what Outriders is doing. So I think what what it's trying to do with those mechanics... Is that it's trying to say, it's trying to be a cover shooter, but yet also be like a proper, you know, action adventure, third person shooter. So it's like saying, yeah, you can go as a cover, but we really don't want you to be in cover because
0: otherwise you're just going to be sitting here for hours and shooting at the same people coming at you over and over again. Yeah, I actually I actually watched a review on the game where they said that actually the longer you play the game, the less you actually use any cover at all really
3: yeah Mm. Yeah. i I think that's the case because the the thing that it adds on from like a gears of war is you can pick one of four different classes um there's like pyromancer trickster and the other two that i can't remember and the one thing I i do like about it is that um the game doesn't do health packs and it doesn't do like standing one spot and you'll just get back to full health it it Mm -hmm. makes you actively use those abilities. So I was using Pyromancer, and you'd have like three different types of abilities where you could kind of throw like a wall of fire or this sort of lasso made of fire, kind of like uh, Wonder Woman's um, lasso. Oh, cool. And if you hit an enemy and started firing at them while they were in this instance with Pyromancer on fire, that's how you would regain health. So that was a nice little... Uh, That's cool. That's a cool little feature. And I, I thought that was like one of the few things the game was doing that was like, okay... It provides a little bit of strategy in terms of, you know, you're not always just firing for the sake of firing. Sometimes you want to maybe stand off for a bit, set one of them on fire, take off a few shots, get your health back, then kind of get back into the thicker of things. Um, so that was cool. The biggest issue with the game, though, is that the 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 writing and the narrative and the overall story has all of the nuance and tact of a... Early two thousands new metal album, you know, like, and not even cool. like, you know, you've got s- your Limp biscuits up here somewhere, kinda. I'm talking, yeah. I'm talking like Puddle of Mud or Theory of oh, the Dead Man. I'm talking,
1: no, not really, what, like, really sort of bad. Spine Shank territory. Oh
2: yeah, oh yeah. <laughs> spine Shank. They were
1: great. I used to listen Shine to Shine Down shank. or, Lyrics or Mud good, vein, right? Like Mud vein, Mud vein. No. Every
3: other word is. F- and, and it's, you know, there's a time and a place and there's a way that can be done. You know, you think of your Tarantino films, there, there's a way that can be done that has a bit of charm to it. Like if there's a
2: button for it on 50 Cent Blood and Sash. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love that game
1: so There we go.
3: I know. Um, oh. But it's, it's clearly, this is like their way of trying to uh, amplify uh, edginess and, and attitude. Mm-hmm. And it's just completely, you know, it makes Gears of War look like Shakespeare theatre. It's It's that bad. It, oh, I always find I always find with stuff
1: like profanity, violence, uh, those kinds of things. I always find that those those are really useful tools in a in a storyteller's like you know tool set, right? Like they are mm-hmm. they 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 can be incredibly evocative. So I mean, I've not seen it, but my understanding is in something like the wire uh, the wire you know the the use of that kind of language is meant to explain a a a kind of street culture a sort of kind of criminal
2: culture well there's well there's famously there's a whole scene in the first season of the wire where the two main detectives say um, nothing to each other but one swear word okay for about five or six minute scene and it's the most incredible piece of writing possibly in the whole of the five seasons of the Wire because it, it just it just does everything. A bit like the start to um, four weddings and a funeral.
0: What a double bill!
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> so I mean, so I mean, like you know, they can be incredible, and also you know, when you've got incredible actors. Uh, that are able to use that script and actually mm-hmm. put in you know real intonation into that into into those words then that those that stuff can really work out but i i completely agree with you like i'm i'm a great believer in in the kind of like graph of games trying to tr- that that take your emotions and and kind of plot them onto a, onto a kind of graph right like the the idea of like in uncharted for example you need those slower moments because That makes the high intensity moments that much more intense. When it's so, you know, it's jokey and upbeat and so much, so that when you have the sensitive moments, they really hit home. When you've got that kind of like, it's all the same, like violence. Like I know on on the Steam store page for Outriders, it's described as like the like brutal and bloody combat, and it's like that's fine. It's just that like I don't know about you, but when I play Mortal Kombat. I'm just not bothered by it anymore. Like, I see it and I'm like, yeah, violence. Like, this is the one trick you have and you don't go... You never mix things up. Like, because it's because it's not mixed up, it doesn't feel as impactful. So that when you end up with this kind of, like, slightly poor writing that just kind of uses uses um, sort of, like, profanity as a kind of crutch for emotion, yeah. it just it just feels kind of and, weak
3: and on top of that as well um the entire script is laced in that just very lazy sarcasm as a replacement for humor or just again <laughs> right right attitude and, yeah. and right. you know sarcasm is the lowest form of wit and it is the laziest style of writing and every just kind of bad trope in in writing and and dialogue is found in here so you take all of the, the the swearing and all of that and you take this just protagonist who is so kind of just doesn't care and he's too cool for school you know and it's been interesting because i'm i'm re-watching cowboy bebop at the moment and spike spiegel is a very famous character that is also kind of very too cool for school but for a start that kind of plays into his entire backstory because he's already yeah. died once and so you know He's just living this life from moment to moment. Um, but he has those moments where he he comes across as, as likable and human. And he's not saying f- every other word, which is kind of right. crucial. Right. But literally within you know five minutes of this game, the main protagonist is is incredibly unlikable. Everyone around you is incredibly unlikable. And it works in something like Firecraft, Fire, Far Cry 3, because most of those people die um, or are kidnapped. So that's good. But here, (laughs) the main protagonist is you, and he's the most unlikable, and you're the one playing as him. And just after four hours and kind of average gameplay experience and servers not working, I was like, I think I've had my feel of this. But it's astonishing that that game, you have to be connected to the servers, even as a single-player experience. That, I think, annoys me more than anything else, that I can't even play this by myself offline um and yeah again after i waited for about half an hour for the service to load i just and i get it like you know games at launch um if they are an online game it's gonna happen i get that um and you know i'm not the kind i'm not the kind of person that's gonna go online to the the community manager of that game and swear expletives like it's their fault um i know that because that's my job so i definitely am (laughs) not going to do it to anyone else but after mm, two weeks and that's still happening, I don't know. Yeah, but if you went to a cinema and
2: paid your money and you got there and they were like, oh, still building the projector, come back in two weeks, you'd be... Like, I, I feel like... Like, we give the games industry so much pass for, like, yeah so much stuff. Like, and it's just... Well,
3: I guess I was I was less angry because I downloaded it on Game Pass, I guess.
1: So I've been playing... Call of Cthulhu, uh, which is a uh, which is a thick book. <laughs> uh, so it is a tabletop role playing game. So this is the actual. So this is the seventh edition. Yeah, seventh edition. I believe it was made in the early eighties, late seventies, maybe. And it was made by fun fact, uh, a guy called Sandy Peterson, who of course, any Doom fans,
2: I've played Doom. Doom
1: i'm, I'm aware He played it he was a level designer system. on. Uh, oh, okay. he was a level designer on doom um so he made call of cthulhu and uh we've played and we've talked about basic fantasy role-playing game before it is from that era where uh the original is from that era where like the game is not mucking around like if you it does not want to you to get into combat right so the game is and uh so it that's the case in basic fantasy that's certainly the case in call of cthulhu and and the reason that they use that it's difficult the reason that death is just around the corner at all times is in basic fantasy it's because you're going into dungeons and you're fighting monsters like that's that should be frightening and 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 challenging in call of cthulhu you're going up against cosmic horror you know like uh things that just gods that don't even know you exist let alone care about whether or not you uh, uh, about whether or not you survive. Now the thing is I've not been playing this with anybody else. I've been playing alone against the dark. Which is a solo role-playing game adventure. So um, so this is so do you remember you remember game books uh, you know like um, I don't know well, stuff like sorcery, for example, the sorcery apps are, are essentially game books. you know, choose your own adventures, all that kind of stuff. Basically you're on, you're on entry one and it goes, you are in a dungeon. There is a skeleton. Do you go left or right? If you choose left, go to, go to entry two. If you choose right, go to entry 12. and you, you move around the narrative in that way. And this uses 7th edition, so you need this book and this thing here. So this, is, this totals about...
2: For the listeners at home, Pete's holding up a big, large blue book in his left hand and a smaller black book in his right.
1: Uh, and this represents about
3: 60 quids worth of books. Is this like Choose Please, Your Own twid- Adventure DLC?
1: <laughs> right yeah so so the actual call of cthulhu itself is meant to be a, a a tabletop role-playing game itself like you you can just play this as a group and i'm sure we'll run it at some point because it's really good and it's deadly super deadly alone against the dark is also super super deadly to the point that i've played one of these adventures before called alone against the uh the flames and uh, that's a really good intro experience of like a really great lovecraftian story about going into a strange village something's not quite right and finding out what the mystery is at the heart of the uh, at the heart of this of, of this um of this little population and alone against the dark is an incredibly experimental solo role playing game in which you have to do all sorts of admin basically this is the kind of game that that doesn't exist anymore or or they don't really make games like this anymore all that much because they've been taken over by video games because really you want a video game to do all of the admin in a in a in a role playing game you, like uh, so a crpg like baldurs gate or a, or a witcher or something like that the game is keeping track of absolutely everything for you the time what the environment looks like the enemies how, how combat works the damage you do everything in this not only are you using this big old rule book to figure out how combat works against enemies and all that kind of stuff, because you are using the proper rules from the seventh edition uh, uh, Keeper rulebook, you're also tracking things like what time is it, how much, how many hours have you spent uh, it exploring the world, and that's not just a case, and that's not just a case of every turn is an hour. Every turn has a dynamic amount of hours based on the kinds of actions that you might take. So if you do, do a certain kind of action, it will be one hour. But if you do, so if you walk, for example, to a, um, to a location, it takes two hours. If you take a taxi, it takes one. If you have a conversation with somebody, you need to remember that's gonna take an extra hour. And it never actually says in the entry in the book, it's just right at the beginning, it says, remember, you need to keep this in mind. You also need to keep in mind things like, you have to sleep for at least eight hours every 24 hours, and you have to have at least two meals and spend X amount of time doing those things. There are also really quite interesting
2: for the listeners at home, Pete's now flicking through the smaller black book smaller in black both black of his hands to find a page, page to... that he should have marked earlier.
1: Uh, this is a pyramid puzzle. So to describe it, it is it is little triangles and you're meant to photocopy them um, or print them out. Um, and you cut those out and then you put them onto this pyramid grid. And uh, there is a there is a there is a puzzle within the actual story and, and adventure itself, and you need to figure that out. Use that to essentially make a, make a map throughout the throughout the um, uh, throughout the actual pyramid that you might that you that you might go and investigate. You don't have to. It's a, a really quite an open world game. You may never go to the pyramid, and you can still get the quote unquote good ending. Uh, and, and there are multiple endings as well. Um, there are four characters that you can play as. You never have to roll your own. You can if you want to, but each four, each one of the characters has different skill sets that feels really thematic and really different. And each one of them is connected to the last one that you played as. So you can die in this game really easily, really easily. And you then take up the next adventure and, and they happen to know the person who died. So you go on and uh, uh, you know you, you, you add to that story.
2: How, how does it how does it work in terms of things like what, like site creep, like that thing that happens in like Sherlock Holmes consulting detective, where you go and investigate location thirty three, it doesn't have what you want, but you just take a quick glance across at thirty seven, and it's just like ha ha, I've solved it, and then you go right, I'm gonna go and look at thirty seven to find out.
1: As in <laughs> life, brilliantly, it brilliantly because it's all kind of plain text stuff. It actually doesn't. It it isn't that bad. It seems to be done really well. Or maybe the numbers are so far apart that if you see something an entry next to it, it's very unlikely it's anything to do with what you're currently doing. The length of this thing, this took me seven hours. I played this game book for seven hours, and I got two of the endings. I think there might be another one. I got one of the. I, I got one of the endings without cheating. I'm gloriously happy to say. I had to cheat to find the other ones because. It handles difficulty in a really great way, in that the combat is absolutely lethal. You can be, there is a bit where you are confronted by one bad guy, who's just a regular mook, and um, they might just kill you. Like, the combat is, like, super, super swingy. and And that's great, because you're always feeling this tension of, there's always a timer. It definitely works with Lovecraft's exotic foreign... Lands as well, like it definitely, it definitely has a lot Mm -hmm. of that Lovecraftian the other, um, which and it never, it never delves into the other Lovecraftian the the other, but um, the other, yeah, Yeah. that one, but it never dives into that. It, 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 but it does, it does always feel like an adventure in the same way that Indiana Jones is the the other. Uh, So when like they're in, you know, they're they're in uh, what's an Indiana Jones film? The the one where the
0: don't help him, don't help him
2: when not Hitler melts
1: maybe the one where he looks
3: at the chest and then melts. In the lost
0: dark. yeah
2: yeah but there's also one where someone
3: drinks a drink and he melts there's also one there's also one of a crystal skull but we don't talk about that one
1: either way either way either way that the idea that the idea that going to an exotic location is really strange and like you know oh how, how different um so there is always this time element that that is always you always feel like the time is kind of like chasing up to you. You all never feel like you can just get into a fight like that. It, you always think oh, I need to figure out how to not do this when things are very clearly about to go bad for you. You're, there is always this sense of all oh, this is bad.
2: But where? But where's the where's the flexibility? If if, if all you're doing is choosing so, go left or go right, so it's not like an RPG where you can be so, like, Sam, so. but Sam, it is. So it is. So, so but it is But it is
1: so i should have made a mark for this one <laughs> um there is a there's a what's called a handout uh, and call of cthulhu has a lot of handouts generally and it has a load of location tables so you will start in one one location and then it will say cool you can go to any arkham location and then it will provide you a bunch of entries do you want to go to the hospital that's five eight five and you might and then you figure out where you go from there. You might go to Arkham First National Bank. By the way, if you're going to play this, definitely go to Arkham First National Bank. Made that mistake on the first time. But and that's go to entry 3 and from there there'll be vignettes of stories where you can either if you're in the university you can go and talk to different people and there'll be different choices so there's a lot of flexibility here of choosing between essentially different nodes that you kind of explore it's not simply a case
2: of do you want to do this or do you want to do that you live you die it's but but what I mean is like did you ever find yourself going down a pathway that you wouldn't ever be able to get out of because if you're just playing the straight RPG there's always like oh my god we're going in a we're going in the wrong direction here. Let's. You can. Away- we're, we're all <laughs> going to decide to take this action and go out. Whereas a choose your own adventure, sometimes you get yourself down a, a path where it doesn't matter where you go. It's
0: yeah. going to end. Were up- you the
2: bandido? So yeah, right. So quite <laughs> often you can double back.
1: Quite often. The one area where I want to talk about the, the where it gets difficulty wrong is there are very occasionally moments mm. where mm. you can't know that you're going in the wrong direction the game is almost you know when you have like invisible walls in uh in video games where like the game will push you back or be like you are leaving the area and like yeah you, please return, please return. To the mission well, area. well 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 alone <laughs> against the dark the way that the way that alone against the dark does that is it just tries to kill you as quickly as possible and because of that my 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 stupid primitive brain just goes there's got to be something good at the end of this then hasn't there And it turns out you you can beat those sections. It's just generally the the victory at the end is oh this was a dead end and 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 that kind of difficulty is rubbish because the because the combat is so swingy as in like you will like like, you 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 know it's very easy to just merc someone but because of that it's also very easy to get merc yourself. The difficulty in that is you start just burning through investigators. You just you just absolutely start smashing through. So I managed to basically get through to a to an ending, a, a correct ending that wasn't just death, using just two investigators. But if I'd gone down a different path, which I did later to explore different bits of the book, I would have gone through like twelve without cheating. Like and and each investigator you need to okay cool create the new character sheet, put the new stuff in, go and buy all the equipment, go to, through the rest of this 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 part of the adventure. It's a fascinating book. It's an absolutely brilliant example of a solo role-playing experience that does feel very open-world. It just screws up the difficulty bit uh, in, certain, in certain little ways. It's a bit of a shame.
0: Well, that was episode 126 of Staying In with Sam Turner, Peter Willington, special guest Mark Robinson and myself, Chris Darby. Uh, that was a great show. I went on quite a journey in that show, I think, as you've probably heard, and I've had some thinking time to consider actually what I feel would be a better alternative to bread, and I don't know if you've got any ideas in terms of what this would be, and I've been racking my brains about it, and I still keep coming back to egg, just because it's so versatile. Anyway, I'll mull that over continuously. Um, It was lovely to have Mark back on the show. We've not had Mark here, I think, since episode 85, when he was there talking here, talking about Baba is You, which is an excellent game. So, if you really like the sound of Mark's voice, um, listen back to episode 85, where he waxes lyrical about that game. Or alternatively, you can turn your back on us entirely and listen to his incredible video gaming podcast Link to the Cast and uh, that is at Link to the Cast and you can find that on most podcasting platforms um, as well and I highly recommend you check it out if you are not going to turn your back completely (laughs) and uh, you want to stick with us great well we've got a whole back catalogue some would say we've got another 125 episodes of content to listen to if this is your first time listening to us really where we cover a range of different stuff, um, as evidenced in this podcast, from the board games, uh, the video games, uh, television series, films, anything geeky. Stayinginpodcast.com is is really the central hub which will take you to everything. That includes our social media stuff, you know, on our Instagram, which is doing fantastically. Sam has been publishing even more unboxing videos there. Uh, to um, our board game geek page where every board game we cover we have our kind of like our list of games covered there if board games and more of your jam and likewise for video games our steam curation page covers the digital types of games that we play and if you want to just drop us a line if you've got a better alternative to egg as a replacement to bread um, email us at stayingimpod at gmail.com or just hit us up on twitter at staying in pod um basically as you covered for that and also for our facebook pages as well uh, but yeah thanks for listening until next time take care